0: Manufacturing any type of fashion is a feat, but if you know anything about the fashion manufacturing scene, you'll know that denim is especially challenging. Nevertheless, that's what John Condolis, the Managing Director of Ethical Clothing Australia accredited brand Nobody Denim, decided to do some 20 years ago. Nobody Denim is an iconic Australian fashion brand that has been celebrated in Australia and around the world for its premium women's denim since 1999. The brand says that by manufacturing their garments locally and using their own denim factory and laundry, they keep jobs onshore and help keep the Australian textile clothing and footwear manufacturing industry alive, employing more than 80 people. This model also allows Nobody Denim to shorten the brand's supply chain, increase transparency, and reduce travel to minimise the carbon footprint of each garment. Nobody's team believes that sustainable business is good business, and say that ethical manufacturing is at the heart of what they do. Keep listening as I chat to John to find out what that means, and what the brand's onshore manufacturing setup looks like, from design to dispatch. I'm Brittany Dreghorn. I'm the founder and editor of Brit's List, an online publication dedicated to telling the stories of ethical and sustainable fashion brands. And this is The Quick update. Welcome to the Quick Unpick
1: podcast. Britt, it's a pleasure. Really excited to be here.
0: Awesome. You are the chairman and co-founder of Nobody Denim, and that means you have the exciting job of overseeing a leading Australian and international denim brand, uh, keeping in mind that covid 19s brought a fair bit of disruption to what the business as uh, normal looks like. What does a day in the life look like for you?
1: I love the word exciting. I really do because I never thought about it that way, but it is. Um, every minute, every day is a new challenge. I guess with COVID and what does that look like? COVID is a pandemic that's actually happened here, but we have got to look about the last thirty years since I've been in the industry, and we've had other disruptions every ten years from ninety uh, nine two thousand and nine two thousand and ten GFC uh, two thousand and nineteen now the um, the pandemic COVID so. It's about a shift and how do you actually evolve uh, and move through this through this um, current challenge um, to get out of it stronger and move, what, what does it look like past this uh, this barrier?
0: Yeah, and so as a, the co-founder, I mean, your job's obviously changed a lot over the years, but what does that mean now? Are you overseeing every single part of the, the business? The
1: way the business works, everyone gets involved. Yeah. Um, we all get our hands dirty in some way or form. Um, being out in the factory floor, looking at, we're currently looking at the new formats. How, would, how do we lay out the new, uh, the factory? It gives us an opportunity to rethink. So we, we actually consolidate credit workshop, get everyone together from factory floor right up. There's an opportunity to go, right, how do we, how can we do things better? Um, it's not about sitting at the, the pinnacle of the chair, if you want to call it the, the high top um, and looking down and delegate. No, it's actually, a, it's a collaboration and a partnership with, everyone in the organisation. So we're constantly, every day, looking at, okay, what's next? What do we do better? What can we do better as a team? Whether it's how we stitch better, how do we improve the quality of the garments, how do we improve our equipment, how do we improve the layout, how do we do new washes, whatever it might be, it's, it's constantly evolving.
0: Wow. So it is very much an exciting role and I imagine a dream job for any designers <laughs> who are currently yeah. sort of studying or starting out their brands.
1: Um, a dream job? Um <laughs> You need to be passionate. You need to be resilient. There's a lot of failures. I mean, that's something that's part of being in your own business. Um, you got to learn to fail, accept it, and and continue on the journey of how do you improve, learn, and continue to improve. Success never comes. As everyone used to ask me, "So, what's it feel like to be successful?" And I always think back and I go, "I haven't been. I'm not, I haven't made it yet. I don't think I'm successful yet, because every day is a learning curve, and you continue to learn and evolve." until you, to achieve a goal, then you look at the goal in front of that and continue and continue. So, um, yeah, uh, excitement, uh, being resilient, passionate, I think determination, um, persistent, the three Ps, I guess. um, uh, Being persistent, being passionate and being proactive is probably one of the the three key things. You know, we're not talking about profitability yet, but that's what's going to drive the end result.
0: Definitely. And so talking about being proactive and talking about goals, um, Nobody Denim has been going since 1999. That was the start. Um, You've been manufacturing in Australia since then, and you have been accredited by Ethical Clothing Australia since 2010. What was the driving force to having that goal of onshore manufacturing and and keeping it local?
1: Um, People that know me, they say I'm a bit of a control freak. Um having everything at the tips of my hand gives me that sense of comfort and that control that I can play. Um you're always like I said, I use the word evolving and, and continue to actually improve. Not having that in front of you, how do you actually know what you what could happen, what you could achieve, and how you can shift and be flexible. I looked at and also controlling your own IP. Um you know, we we are the the I guess a credible company around denim. We've been doing it for such a long time, pre No, but uh, pre ninety nine, even back to eighty eight when I was studying in my engineering um, uh, schooling course um, degree. Uh, working at night at Dad's factory, who ran the laundry, and on laundry we, we'd assist. And I continued learning and understanding what was going on back then, from fabrics and capability. So this is not a overnight. Um, we'll use the word success, or um, this has been happening for the last thirty years, and. Um having it here, like I said, it gives us the opportunity to continue improve. Not having it here, um, I couldn't let it go, learnt the IP. And also one of the key things is, and I, and I really put my hand on my heart on this, is that Melbourne is quite a creative um, city. Uh, the amount of talent that we have locally, and, it, and, the, and I've seen this over the last 20 years where people aren't utilizing this and they um, take that talent and move it offshore and we lose that credibility and that those opportunities so how do we maintain that here how do we keep that and how do we grow it so I guess that's been my vision and and continue to to drive that and and see what our industry looks like in the future
0: yeah you're right if we don't use it we'll lose that capability so organizations and brands like nobody denim are genuinely the reason why it is staying here so I guess kudos to you, whether you want to call it success or not. Um, so what does the Nobody Denim manufacturing supply chain look like in Australia now? I know you've said you used to work with suppliers. Um, now you do that more in-house. Can you, you can walk me through that sort of from design sure. to dispatch?
1: So um, I was trying to create a visual through 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 this episode Uh, Imagine a a, a a 2,500-square-metre factory where design and manufacturing work from. Um, One of my key goals was to ensure that we keep both together. It's a a product and it's important that design have the capability and and, and the ease of just opening their, uh, I guess, workshop room, office studio door and walking outside to the factory and asking the right questions. How can we do this or can we do this? If so, can we do it better? Or whatever it might be. That engagement um, is critical. The challenge that we have currently is our supply chain of raw materials. Um, That doesn't exist in Australia, very little. So finding premium product in the the global market um, at the right price is challenging. Um, We buy 99% of our fabrics do come from... From Europe, from Turkey, um, which is known as a guess, uh, a denim hub, um, and they're amazing in what they do. But with the current state and the current uh, challenge that we have with COVID, um, trying to get fabric lead times have just gone out of the roof. Pricing, how do we cope? How do we adapt to that? How do we change the way we do things? How do we streamline? How do we? Sustain? How do we survive? So. You know, in the current, like I said, we we currently, uh, if you remove the actual supply chain arm of it, of the raw materials, which very little, only 1% of our product is actually manufactured um, from a fabric raw material um, here in Australia at at this point in time, and that's our tops. Um, Apart from that, everything else comes from uh, Turkey. Um, But like I said, having that from concept, design concept, walking outside the door, getting the garments made, the protos, taking it to our laundry, uh, washing it up, developing that new finish, bringing it back, taking it through the finishing area and into the warehouse. We have pretty much a vertical supply chain um, and then actually deliver it to the customer. Uh, We're probably the only ones that have that capability in our space uh, from design to distribution under one roof. No one else uh, in the denim space knowing that you've got to manufacture it uh, you've got to have it laundered. So we have that capability. Uh, how do we keep that and keep that going? Is it, a challenge post-COVID. Um, week, that's what I'm saying. We're continually looking at how do we create a new business model to ensure that we can maintain um, the, the the vision and the direction of what we're doing.
0: Yeah, incredible. And so your manufacturing is actually all done or everyone you work with, I think it's the head office, factory, laundry and retail store are all within a six kilometre radius. I mean, that would lower your impact dramatically, which is just incredible. Um, but talking about your impact, I mean, you you just touched on some various parts of the supply chain, um, including sourcing that raw material. You're talking about laundry and all these things add up and denim, you know, it, it gets a bad rap. Because it is actually highly, highly, um, it's a laborious um, textile to make and it, it uses a lot of water and it gets a bad rap for that. I mean, how are you working to make sure that you're lowering your impact um, sustainability-wise?
1: It's, it's a journey. Everyone uses the word journey and it <laughs> doesn't stop. Um, look, it includes technology, includes equipment, it includes new processes. But I keep going back to... In order to do to create a program and work, it's based on the consumer's needs. If they're after a garment that has a lot of distressing, has a lot of bleaching, has a lot of um, colours that they want they want super light. Well, how do you how do you actually uh, provide that with minimal uses of water and and and, and operation carbon footprint all, all that together? How do you make a sustainable product? And we're constantly on that journey to deliver that. So it's understanding what people are willing to, I guess, go without, you know, from a market trend um, in order to give back and be part of that journey. So, yes, we can do a rinse wash. I can do a drink that has no water on it, <laughs> but will the market accept it?
0: Probably and not. Can,
1: <laughs> and that's, that's the thing, is how do we educate and how do we go on together on this journey of improvement? Um, we're currently looking at, and you probably heard, there's laser equipment, um, laser that's used on, like we we looked at laser. And I remember the first person in Australia bought their laser machine about 20 years ago, all right? and that was out of Sydney Laundry. But it never went through because the market didn't want it, right? So there's a lot of things that actually affect what you put out the market. Laser's a great idea, but certain fabrics don't work on laser, so what do you do? Then you have to go back to the supplier and say, can you change your fabric? Well, I can't do that because it. It actually costs them much more. There's more R and D and so forth and so. so. it is actually a long-term journey um, of how to improve that. Um, they're talking about ozone washing, you know, deteriorating uh, um, color through ozone. Now, to to implement all this, it's it's a it's a huge cost, all right? So the market needs to support it, and and that's some of the challenges that we have ahead of us. But we are continuing on that journey to start investing more and more in technology. Um, We're looking at advanced manufacturing capabilities here in Australia, working with the right, uh, I guess, resource team. Uh, We're working with, currently we're working with um, Swinburne uh, Uni to work on a a project around uh, PPE um, manufacturing. Um, We're going to be working more and more closer with the research centres, institutions and government to see how we continue to involve and invest in that. At space,
0: yeah, yeah. I mean, I know that nobody denim is already all over it in terms of making sure, tracking their impact, um, the brand's impact, and looking at um, different ways to make the impact even less. I mean, but you're right. It's really interesting, obviously education is needed to the market you know if you are getting something that's bleached well bleached was in bleach was involved you know and um different things like that so i think um yeah it sounds really interesting and if you're right if the trends change well then it's the need for constant innovation so um the role of the designer is just constantly changing isn't it
1: 100 percent. the market's driving what we deliver don't we
0: yeah, absolutely. Um, so many people are saying that COVID-19 is going to lead to an increase or a resurgence in local manufacturing. Um, you've already seen the benefits of having your manufacturing onshore. Um, what advice do you have for brands who may be listening, who may be thinking of bringing their production uh, to Australia in terms of having that control?
1: They need to have a robust team who understands the control of the supply chain with local manufacturing. The challenges that a lot of organisations do have, um, they've got product developers, and but their resources when producing goods offshore are uh, um, uh, at their fingertips, if that makes sense. And what I mean by that is the companies they work with do a lot of the development, the, the actual administration, the testing, the preparation of the garments and the, and the initial design work. Uh, you need a, a good supply chain person locally in order to assist you to make sure that you're working with the right factories, you're working with the right, um, purchasing the right raw materials because it's a different, it's not a one-stop shop. We, in Australia at this point in time, we don't have a one-stop shop that you can actually go to a, um, a manufacturer, say, to go to nobody and say, can you produce us um, 100 jeans? And we'd like to work with your design team to create that or your development team to create that. Um, we've got a design, but we need your t- expertise to, to bring that together. So trying to get those expertise offshore and bring them back to, to Australia is challenging because I don't think the, the resource pool of people to, to assist that is big enough as yet. So they're one of the big challenges. Um, next big challenge is loyalty. For something to de- be developed, an infrastructure in Australia around manufacturing, there's got to be a commitment from brands for the next three to five years. And that is probably the biggest uh, hurdle that we, we, we might have. Um, can brands commit? Because there's an increase in price. Our cost of doing work here in Australia is greater than um, bringing from offshore. So is that commitment. And I think everyone needs to be true to themselves and be real and not just say, yeah, let's support Australia because it's a great Australian brand. Um, let's get down to the nitty-gritty and work through it. Um, and I think that they're the two biggest challenges that uh, are faced in the next 12 months. Everyone would love to bring things back, but let's, let's put the, the pen to paper and work through it and see what does it really look like. Because the cost of uh, producing can be improved, but it's based on volume.
0: Yeah, wow. So if we can actually get those numbers back, then that's potentially a long-term yes. solution to bringing those prices down. Yeah,
1: yep. and it's also around innovation, um, equipment. There's a lot of investment will be required from industry um, in order to sustain this and, and actually help it grow, which will create a better opportunity for export in the long term.
0: Yeah, interesting. I think, I mean, you're right. People are really ready to support Australian made brands right now because of COVID. So it's like, can we see that continue? Can we get that commitment from not only brands, uh, but also shoppers? You know, can we keep supporting these brands post COVID um, and create this strong, robust industry here? 100%. Um, Nobody Denim, as I mentioned, is accredited by Ethical Clothing Australia since 2010. How important is the ECA accreditation to Nobody Denim and what benefits has it brought to the business?
1: I think when everyone went through the journey uh, of of actually being accredited, it was a big unknown. It was about, well, you need to be accredited. Okay, but why? And you always challenge it, but why? And it's through that journey, understanding what it means. I don't think people get it the first time. Um, Well, back then it was a, a different mindset. Um, around manufacturing in Australia and better accreditation, but we're following the rules. We're actually compliant and all that. But now, um, we through through that journey, we've been able to see more so that it is extremely important as part of the education program. What does accreditation actually mean in in com- in compliance um, in, in delivering to the market of what is happening in the industry? And how can we continue to improve that and how can we strengthen that accreditation and credibility through what through this channel so um, I, I think it's a constant constant evol- evolving um, process um, more and more people should get onto it. I recall when we first got onto it and tried to, I tried to educate our our subcontractors of what that meant and i I remember this uh, black and white, we're going to the manufacturers and I said to them, you must understand being transparent is going to be the way of the norm in the next five years. Trying to get that through was very difficult and that was part of the reason why we took it in-house. If you don't have a partnership with people who are willing to be on the same journey, it won't work. Um, And this is why we believe that accreditation being ethically uh, minded and having the right, right mindset internally was important to us. Um, but it was that through that learning curve initially that we started this and understanding that and go, that's what caused us to actually go down the path of creating manufacturing in-house.
0: Yeah, wow. It's interesting because the ECA accreditation is really about legal compliance. So I can imagine for a business of your size, um, having that peace of mind that somebody's coming in and making sure you're actually, you know, because you, you and everyone there has a job up and their hands, but making sure that they're actually ticking all of those boxes day to day can be quite difficult. So it's interesting for people to then turn around, and I understand it's not super easy, but to say no, I couldn't be bothered. But the other thing is you're obviously a visionary. You knew what was coming. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, you know what's coming. You do know what's coming. Um, everything's cyclical, so you know what's going to happen. But uh, and I think the next step is ECA is there to assist organisations and groups of people of um, how to move forward and not to be a hindrance on them because the last thing you want is have all these issues and IR issues and everything affecting your business where you need to be focused on your vision. So any assistance you can have from external resources um, is only grateful, really. It's an opportunity. It's a resource. Use it.
0: Yeah, awesome. Well, I think that if anybody wasn't a huge fan of Nobody Denim before listening to this podcast, I'm sure they will be now. Um, So that's really exciting. But, John, thanks so much for joining me on the Quick Unpick
1: podcast. You're welcome, Britton. It's been a pleasure. Thank you.
0: The Quick Unpick is brought to you by Ethical Clothing Australia in celebration of the 20th anniversary of their accreditation program and inaugural Ethical Clothing Australia Week. This podcast is produced with assistance from the content division. Music is by Brisbane-based artist Sasha McLeod, also known as Psycho. That's S Y C O. Catch the full first season of The Quick Unpick wherever you get your podcasts, starting this October.